Paul, Simon the Zealot. There he is right there. Um, as we've been doing, let's look at some basic information on, uh, on Simon. Um, here we go. So let's look at his name. Simon the Zealot, uh, he's known as the Zealot. So here are three examples of it. Uh, Simon the Zealot, Judas Iscariot, so on. Remember, he's in the, the final category of, of, th- of four, right? And uh, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus. Thaddeus is Judas, not Iscariot. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then uh, we, we see it there, Simon, who was called the Zealot. Now, if, if you have King James, I think New King James and, and some others, it uses a, a different term. Uh, um, it, it, it suggests he, he, uh, he's not a Zealot, to use a different word, and it's leaving me. It's similar to the Canaan, um, but it's not Canaanite, but it's something like that. Um, and, and so there is some debate as to exactly what does this, this, this term mean. Well, there's two ways to read the phrase Simon the Zealot. One is uh, Simon had a zealous personality. Um, after all, the New Testament speaks of Jesus being zealous for the temple and the word of God and the law and whatnot. Uh, and and, and that, that's possible. But scholars almost universally now agree. So your modern translations are going to call him Simon the Zealot. Almost all of them will. Uh, so I, I'm quoting up there the English Standard Version. Uh, if if your translation, um, I wonder, does the message? Uh, it does say Canaanite. I didn't think it said that. Okay, so Canaanite. Yeah. So the the Greek word sounds like Canaanite. Looks like it. Uh, but the word is never really means that outside of of Simon. It means zealot. Um, and so. Uh, so what we have here is Simon is part of a specific political class. Now, I did not pre-plan when we would talk about the disciple who is known by his political class. No more did I plan we were going to talk about witchcraft the day after Halloween. Sometimes God has a sense of humor. So let's talk politics. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to talk politics. What we're going to do is talk about Jewish political groups, because this is really important for us to understand Simon. There are five, uh, for our purposes, five major political groups. Uh, this is a, a simplification uh, during the time of Jesus. Now, Josephus mentions four of these. I'm adding one because they, they show up in, in the New Testament, and they're clearly political. Uh, the first is the Sadducees. Ever heard of them? Yeah. Think of the Sadducees. This is an oversimplification. I'm adding a modern term for uh, an ancient um, uh, ancient Near Eastern world, okay, which is dangerous. But for the sake of simplification, theologically, we may think of the Sadducees as sort of liberal in their theology. So the Sadducees deny their resurrection. They don't believe in the soul. They don't believe in any of that. Your body goes down to the grave. It goes down to the Sheol, into Sheol, okay? So the people of Israel are a covenantal people of God. God blesses you here if you're obedient. He curses you here if you're disobedient. But there isn't sort of life after death. Uh, and if, if you're struggling with that idea, they don't believe in angels. They don't believe in demons. They don't believe uh, in any, any of that. Um, do a quick study of the soul from the Old Testament. It's there. It is there. I wrote a paper on it when, uh, for my THEM because uh, this was an area I hadn't really studied much, and it was really helpful to me to think about this issue. It had to do with neuroscience. Well, not, you don't care. Um, but uh, the Sadducees looked at the Old Testament and said, look, you read the anthropology of the Old Testament. There is no soul. In Genesis 2, we talked about this uh, uh, when God breathed into Adam, and it says he became a living soul if you're a King James reader. The word there is really a living being. 
And so it's not talking about a, a spirit or soul. It's talking about a living person. And, well, the Sadducees only read and only believe in the first five books of the Bible, books of Moses. So if you look at the story where uh, Jesus is talking about the resurrection, the Sadducees say, and they come, look, uh, he believes in the resurrection all day. Remember what Jesus does. He says, look, um, God is not the father of the dead. He's, he's the God of, of the living. After all, it says, I am the, the, the father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, he's quoting from the books of Moses. Jesus doesn't turn to Proverbs there. <laughs> he turns to, to, to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And that is because that, those are the books that they believe in. By the way, Jude will do something similar with Enoch and uh, Assumptions of Moses. We'll, we'll get there in a month or so. So the Sadducees are more liberal in their theology. The, uh, um, and by the way, the Sadducees dominated the Sanhedrin. Uh, they, they were more influential uh, in a larger group. Uh, then there's the Pharisees. Apostle Paul is a Pharisee. They're more conservative. Again, that's a, that's a modern term for the sake of simplification. Um, but they believe in what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. Uh, they believe in the resurrection. Uh, this is an issue for, for Paul. Remember when he's in, 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 in Jerusalem? He says, look, I am on trial here because I claim that I believe in the resurrection. And then what happens? The Sadducees on the one end, they got their talking points. And the Pharisees on the other end got their talking points. And then the media come in and say, well, this is what really happens because I've looked at the polling issue. Or they didn't. And either way, they're going to fight over this issue because it's a big, big fight between, between them. Well, the Pharisees are more conservative in that area. By the way, if you study the theology of Jesus, Jesus leans in favor, um, um, leans in favor of um, the Pharisees, theologically speaking. That may be why Jesus is so hard on them. Um, uh, um, and then there is uh, the Herodians. They show up. Uh, they, by their name, as you as you can imagine, uh, they are in. Um, they're connected to the, the the political family of Herod, so they're very pro Rome, right? And 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 these categories come down to: Are you pro Rome? Sort of pro Rome. Uh, anti-Rome. So the Sadducees lean towards favoring Rome because Rome allows the Sadducees to run things in Jerusalem. So they don't like Rome, but they like the system that Rome has given them, the power. The Pharisees are more anti-Rome, but they're not ready to burn the system down, right? They're not Antifa. We'll meet them in, in a minute. Uh, the Herodians are obviously pro-Rome because it was Caesar that put Herod, who is uh, half-Jewish, in the position of power. He's not really a king, but they're not going to say anything if he calls himself king, right? It's how he identifies, and if you disagree, well, then you're a bigot, right? And so, so they're very pro-Rome. In the Gospels, the Herodians and the Pharisees tag team in their rejection of Jesus. What you have are two political opponents who agree that the enemy of my enemy is now, is now my friend. So they come together like America and the Soviet Union to fight the Nazis. Except now, I guess Jesus is a Nazi, but, so that doesn't work. But to them, I guess they would say it that way. Um, but, uh, so, so the Herodians are very politically motivated and empowered, and of course pro-Rome. Uh, Josephus doesn't mention the Herodians here. Um, but they show up in the New Testament, and they play an important role. The fourth category is the Essenes. Um, the, the most important archaeological find of the 20th century is the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, very, very important documents. We have learned more about the, the age of Jesus, uh, really it's Second Temple Judaism, 
better term. But for our purposes, they, they, the time of Jesus, because of the discovery of, of these scrolls. Uh, in fact, whenever people say that the prophecies of the Old Testament were written after Jesus was around, the problem with that is that we have Hebrew scrolls from the Dead Sea Scrolls of Isaiah 53, for example. It's a whole book of Isaiah with chapter 53 that describes the crucifixion hundreds of years before it was around. Um, we have a copy of that that predates the birth of Jesus. Uh, it also uh, gives us an idea of Jewish religion outside of the Bible, how it's developed, what, what people are writing and thinking. Also gives us insight to the Essenes. Now, we assume the Essenes wrote these because it's located where the Essenes were. The Essenes were uh, the monks of the day, if you will. They reject not just Roman rule and authority. They reject uh, the Jewish system uh, uh, as it was being run. Okay? Uh, so, so, so they're very, very fundamentalists. They're the Amish, if you will. They go out into the wilderness, um, and, and they, they reject all of that. And so they, they're, they're strict with the Mosaic Law and in adherence to it, and, and they, they've isolated themselves from society. By the way, if, if you're interested in this, one of the questions I'll get every year someone will ask me this because they're reading through their Bible, and they're saying, you read the Old Testament, and you have these, these ceremonies, okay. You read the New Testament, and there's a new ceremony that just pops up. It was where we get our name, baptism. Everyone, where in the world did that come from? Well, well, it's it's still a matter of debate. But one theory is there is a guy in the Gospels who is known to to preach in the wilderness. He comes from the wilderness and he's baptizing people. It's John the Baptizer. Where did it all come from? Well, guess who else was baptizing at this time? The Qumran community, the Essenes. Now, I'm not saying that John the Baptist, we can prove, took it from them, but is to say there was precedent for this practice. Uh, and the, the Essenes did this. So they don't appear in the New Testament anywhere, but, but they are influential in the New Testament. Um, and if you're ever interested in archaeology or just New Testament times and Jewish thought, Second Temple Judaism, you should study the Essenes. They're fascinating people. If you like treasure hunts, one of their scrolls uh, is a treasure hunt, and people are trying to crack it. You know, they're, they're trying to be like that guy in National Treasure and get all the gold, I guess. You know? um, so, by the way, the way we discovered the, the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls was a uh, Bedouin uh, um, shepherd was throwing rocks, and uh, he heard a big crash. And he goes in there, and the rock had, had smashed a, uh, uh, like a clay pot that was holding the scrolls. And uh, so people went in there, and it's the greatest discovery of the 20th century. It's amazing. I, I, just, I lo love that stuff. Um, finally, there is this group, the Zealots. So can you guess why we're going through this? If, if you're bored, we are going somewhere with this. So um, if the Herodians are very pro-Rome, the Zealots are very anti-Rome. Anti so, so the Pharisees and the Essenes are thinking, look, we, we, don't, we don't like this. Uh, but, but, and we're going to make it known we don't like this. So should we pay taxes to Caesar? And the Pharisees are going to say, no, no. They're occupying force. And it's not what God wants. So strict adherence to the law will get rid of Rome. That's what happened with the Greeks, what happened to the Persians, what happened to the Babylonians, the Syrians, all of them. That's the key. Right? And this is why they're getting on Jesus. You broke the Sabbath. We're trying to get rid of Rome here, people. Come on. Wear your mask. I mean, stop doing this on the Sabbath, right? This, this is the way the Pharisees think. Their, their form of despising the Romans was strict adherence to, 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 to the law. And God will liberate us. The Essenes say, look, <laughs> y'all on your own. 
we're going to the Pennsylvania and we're, we're, we're going to adopt a 17th century society and this is our hope, right? <laughs> They're the Amish. The zealots come and says, no, we're going to take it by force. Today, we would call them terrorists. They're domestic terrorists. And what they would do is, is they, would, uh, they were very politically motivated. They hated the Romans and they wanted to overthrow them. They were inspired by the Maccabean revolt. Um, so between the Testaments, the Old New Testament, you have what's called the intertestamental period because we're not creative with our terms in English. And in the intertestamental period, there is a series of books in the Catholic Bible uh, known as the Apocrypha, but there's a series of books known as the, the Maccabees. First and second Maccabees, the Greek church adopts third and maybe fourth Maccabees. First Maccabees tells the history of the Greek, um, when the Greeks took over Jerusalem, and how a family known as the Maccabeans, um, they overthrew uh, Greece, um, kicked them out by guerrilla warfare. Now, they were motivated Whenever the, the leader of the Greeks um, shows up in, Rome, or in Jerusalem, walks into the temple, sacrifices a pig, and declares himself a god. That is, here you go, Danny, here's a term for you. You know where I'm going with this. The abomination that causes desolation. That term sound familiar? It is in Daniel. It happens in an intertestinal period. And then Jesus comes and says... You're looking for an abomination that causes desolation. Look, that was an immediate fulfillment. We're looking for a touchdown to f fulfillment. And your view of the end times will... Danny can answer all your questions after, after our, our time here. But uh, Yes, so preterism will say it was fulfilled in AD 70, destruction of the temple. Uh, so Rome desecrates it, whatnot. Uh, dispensationalists or futurists view would say the future temple will be desecrated. So if you ever read the Left Behind series, Nikolai Carpathia comes in and sacrifices a pig in Jerusalem and wages war against Jerusalem at the three and a half year period. And look, if it's in the Left Behind series, it has to be true. Um, there's a, yeah. Um, in a week or so, we'll have poll results proving that I'm right. Um, so, um, but they believe that the Messiah would liberate uh, Israel from the Romans. Thus, the Messiah to them was a militant and a political leader. This is important because when you read the Gospels, this background material shows up, right? So the Pharisees aren't mad that Jesus is claimed to be king. They're mad that he's healing and doing good things on the Sabbath. The Zealots want him to declare to be king. This is what they're looking for. But their idea of a king is very specific. And when you refuse to tear down the system, they don't want you anymore. So when Jesus is asked, should we pay taxes to Caesar? That is a loaded, loaded, loaded question. Because all these political groups, this is the question. It's the litmus test. Have you currently or ever been associated with the Communist Party USA or whatever the, the McCarthy question was, right? And we get these questions all the time, right? Um, to this day, that, that how you answer that question determines everything. So Simon is known as Simon the Zealot. And there was a, a group among the Zealots called the Sicarii, I believe. What they would do is they would carry around these daggers in their robes. And if you were associated with Rome as a soldier, as a politician, as, as an ambassador, as a tax collector, they would find you in a crowded area, come in behind you, murder you, 
stab you. They had a certain place like between the ribs that come into your heart. I'm, I'm not a doctor, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn once. Actually, last week, I stayed at a Holiday Inn. And, and, uh, uh, and you would die, and no one would know who did it. Again, it's guerrilla warfare. Terrorism today. This is all terrorism is, right? And you and your family, if you're associated with Rome, whether Jewish or Gentile, uh, you were subject to, to their fights. And you need to remember that because we're going to come back to it. I want to read to you from Josephus. Josephus mentions these four groups, doesn't mention Herodians. Uh, but in context of the Zealots, he says, But of the fourth sect of Jewish philosophy, Judas the Galilean was the author. Does that name sound familiar? If not, it will, it will here in a minute. These men agree in all other things with the Pharisaic notions, but they have an inviolable attachment to liberty and say that God is to be their only ruler and Lord. They also do not value dying any kinds of death, nor indeed do they heed the deaths of their relations and friends, nor can any such fear make them call any man Lord. And since the immovable resolution of theirs is well known to a great many, I shall speak no further about that matter. Well, that's unfortunate. Uh, nor am I afraid that Anything I've said of them should be disbelieved, but rather fear that what I've said is beneath the resolution they show when they undergo pain. And it was in Gessius Flores' time that the nation began to grow mad with this distemper, who was our uh, procurator and who occasioned the Jews to go wild with it by the abuse of his authority and to make them revolt from the Romans. And these are the sects of Jewish philosophy. Now, notice what Josephus tells us. Uh, we're doing some skipping there. Uh, Josephus tells us these are radicals who did not fear death. You can torture them, uh, them and their family. They did not care. They really believed in their cause to the point they were willing to kill and be killed for it. Terrorists, domestic terrorists. Okay? Um, now, this is significant um, because of how, uh, what happens with them. There was a revolt hinted at here a little bit by Josephus, took place in A.D. 6. Jesus is at least six years old. I don't think he's born on A.D. 0. Uh, he's probably more like 12 years old, give or take. He's about Elijah's age. So this is around the time uh, Jesus is going to the temple and um, hiding from his parents, right? You know, they're halfway there. They realize, well, we, we left our, our son and in a foreign land, right? Uh, so this is around that time, assuming Jesus is born between 5 and 7 BC, which is what I hold. So six years there, six years here. So around that time. Uh, there was a revolt and uh, of Judas, of, of, uh, Judas the, the Galilean. Um, and, and it's mentioned in Acts chapter 5. Let's see. Yeah. So Acts chapter 5 mentions this. I'm just going to highlight the one verse. This is the context where, remember, they're trying to decide what to do with the apostles, They've arrested two of them, and they're still preaching. And they say, look, you tell us whether or not we should preach, but this thing we know, there is only hope in one person, it's Jesus Christ. And remember, they're thinking, what are we going to do with these? And Gamaliel, who is the Apostle Paul's mentor, Apostle Paul's a Pharisee, and um, he says this, After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. Here's the point that Gamaliel's making. You remember uh, Judas the Galilean? It's interesting. He's from Galilee, isn't he? Where's Jesus from? He's from Galilee. So you think when people hear Jesus of Nazareth? Tell me more about this guy. Claiming to be king? Uh, we've read this story before. Is he going to be different than Judas? And Gamaliel's saying, look, if this is a movement of God... You ain't going to stop it. But if it's not a movement of God, like Judas the Galilean, the zealots, 
it will be stopped. And Judas is the main figure in launching the zealot movement in the first century. Very influential guy. Shows up in the New Testament. This is very important details when you're reading through it, isn't it? Uh, now, what happens to Judas? He organized a group of zealots and revolted against Roman taxation. Again, should I pay taxes to the American, I mean, Roman government? You got a coin on you. Yeah, whose image is on that? It's a loaded question. So they're, they're revolting against Roman taxation because flat tax is the thing of God um, and believing that paying taxes was treason against God. Remember, the image of Caesar is on that. When you pay uh, taxes, you are giving to Caesar that which is God's. That's treason in their view. So what the Romans did is short of it. They killed him and crucified his sons. This is what the Romans do. You know, you know the story of Spartacus where for miles, thousands of them are lined up in the slavery. Oh, it's essentially what they did here. They're going to line you up and they're just going to crucify you. If you revolt against Rome, you go to a cross. So in today's devotion, John 18, Pilate has one question for, for Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews? Because Rome knows what to do with these people. And the zealots love to, to bring them up. Well, um, we've, I've spent more time on this because I, I just I love it. All right, this is why, ultimately, one of the main reasons why Rome sacked Jerusalem in AD 70. Uh, there's another revolt. I remember Pilate has to put down several revolts. Some are mentioned in the New Testament. Uh, some of them are not. You remember that Pilate had to satisfy the crowd and hand it over Jesus? It's because Pilate had killed some of the Jews over some of the things that he did they didn't like. And he's stirring up the, the zealots, and he's stirring up the Pharisees, he's stirring up the people. And you don't want to do that. So, so the mob is happening. So he hands Jesus over uh, to be crucified to, to satisfy the crowd. Well, by AD 70, the Romans show up under Titus, who eventually becomes Caesar. He's a, he's a Roman uh, military general at this time. And uh, he sacks Jerusalem. And so, so the temples destroyed all of that. Um, and Preterus, their interpretation of Revelation, sees that event fulfilled in Revelation fulfilled. Anyways, what the zealots do is they flee to a fortress that Herod built called Masada. Now, Herod is known for two great buildings, renovating the temple that Jesus says this is going to come crashing down. And Masada is a great fortress. And the zealots all went in there, took their families in there, and the, the Roman army uh, surrounded it and laid siege to it. They're going to die. There's no way out. This is the top of this sort of mountainous area. Did you all go see Masada? Yeah, it's, it's a, you got to really go up there. There's one way in and one way out. Yeah, yeah, and that was the idea. It was a safe place. What happened was the zealots decided, remember what Josephus said about the zealots, they decided we'd rather die by our own hands than to say we lost to the Romans. So they committed mass suicide. Fathers killed their wives and children first before killing themselves. And the only way we know what happened was a woman and her children, I think, don't quote me on that, uh, escaped. And, and this is how Josephus got the story. We're getting this from Josephus, a very important uh, first century um, historian. Um, mentions Jesus, Jesus and John the Baptist and some of the apostles. Uh, so that when the soldiers come in, what they find is the death of hundreds of, of these terrorists. Oh, and by the way, one of these guys became a disciple of Jesus. <laughs> uh, and why is this so important? One of the other disciples was a tax man. 
You think this is important? <laughs> no, you know, you, you mentioned that. Yeah, that, that's, 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 yeah, I think you're right. But you'll notice that, that if we're reading the groups, the, 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 the four groups, I don't know if it's three or four, whatever groups is, there's a head of each group. Peter's the head of the first, Andrew's the head of the second, and so on. But in this group, you have Simon, who's separated from Matthew, um, I, I believe. I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, but a lot of people will point out, um, if we go back to these, these, these early verses, you'll notice that in at least two of these, I'm doing this off my head, Simon is mentioned right before Judas Iscariot. And remember, Judas is the only non-Galilean in the 12. And there is a hint that what motivates him to betray Jesus is politics. I've got to force Jesus' hand here. Now, the Bible isn't clear on that. But you've got someone who holds the purse, and he goes and says, something's got to be done. Jesus' wife is washing people's feet. Jesus is talking about a kingdom that, that isn't the kingdom I want. And he's almost always grouped with Simon the Zealot. Now, why is all this important about Simon and Matthew? Um, here we have someone motivated by politics, clearly. And over here we have someone who was motivated by wealth, motivated by there was a job opening, he took it, uh, was not identified as someone loyal to his, his race, his ethnicity, his nation. And somehow Jesus takes these two people, one loyal to Rome, one uh, anti-Rome, and somehow, under the umbrella of Jesus, they reconcile. Now, is that something that Christians need to hear a week after an election? Is that something we need to hear, what are we, seven months into COVID lockdowns? Is this something we need to hear right now? Yeah, yeah. When Jesus is your focus you'll have unity. When Jesus is not your focus, you'll have division. And guess what we have in our world? When politics is a religion, as it was in the first century, you get the sort of violence that Jesus lived through, the sort of violence we have now. We should be ashamed that we're boarding up businesses because people are going to go vote. And we should be ashamed that we, we, we will... Uh, um, shame fellow believers because of the way they vote. This is unacceptable behavior, but under Jesus, under the umbrella of Jesus, he brings these two together. Now, we're in Mark chapter 15. We're not going to be able to read this as much, much as I want. Mark 15, um, uh, let's do uh, the story of Barabbas. Um, this is verse 6, because I really got to move. Now, at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man named Barabbas. I trust you know the story. Interesting word that Mark uses, insurrection. Uh, if, you, if you take the other uh, synoptic gospels, uh, Matthew describes him as a notorious prisoner. Uh, Mark, he's a rebel who, who committed insurrection. Luke, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. John describes him as a robber. What we have here is a robber, a thief, an insurrectionist, a terrorist. Now, we can't say for sure, but he sounds eerily similar to a zealot. 
And what is it we have here in the story is that Jesus takes the place of the worst of offenders so that he, by the means of Jesus' cross, can go free. It's the story of Simon. It's the story of Matthew. It's the story of Peter. It's the story of you and me. The story of Barabbas is it's a fascinating story. Jesus hangs on the cross under the condemnation of Barabbas. Barabbas is said guilty. There must be a punishment for the guilt. Jesus now carries literally Barabbas' cross so that he can go free. That punishment was paid for. And on either side are his colleagues in crime. And we know them as thieves. They're insurrectionists involved in in this crime. Um, Well, uh, ministry and death, I don't know if I have anything up for, for the ministry and, and death. Uh, according to tradition, Simon took the gospel north to the British Isles. Some debate about that, how far the gospel go in the first century, uh, because Rome was not very far into the British Isles. You got Herodian's wall that comes later and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then uh, the most reliable accounts say that he was martyred. So the man who was willing to kill willingly was killed. So look at uh, Judas, not Iscariot. Uh, he has three names. Uh, this is why he is known as... Um, uh, I should have uh, Trinomius. Jerome, the guy that wrote the Latin Bible, called him Trinomius, the apostle with three names. Here they are, Judas. I wonder why we've got another name for him. Uh, Labius, he's not really known for Labius. And Thaddeus, we just read a verse where uh, Thaddeus is, is, is the name. Uh, so Judas means Jehovah leads. Right? Um, uh, Labius means heart child. Thaddeus means breast child. Uh, what, what a lot of people think is uh, Labius and Thaddeus are nicknames. They may be referring to him as a sort of mama's boy. Do with that whatever you want. Or at least suggesting he's the youngest child. All, all, all that, that sort of stuff. It could also indicate his soft demeanor. Contrary to Judas and Simon uh, Zealot, Thaddeus could have embodied meekness and gentleness. MacArthur says, um, uh, no, I didn't put it up here. Zealots make great preachers, but so do tender-hearted, compassionate, gentle, sweet-spirited souls like Labius Thaddeus. I, I kind of like that quote. Uh, I am not a uh, fire and brimstone guy. I think I've told you all this story before. I did a revival at my, my wife's home church. It was years ago. It was when I was a Goshen. And my mother-in-law came up to me. She's now, now boy. They call me boy. Um, are, are you going to like preach at this revival? And I knew what she meant immediately, but I, I, I pick on her and said, of course, I'm going to open up the word of God and trust the spirit of God is going to evict uh, hearts and souls of men and women. He goes, yeah, I, I know. But are you going to, like, preach? <laughs> you know? And the answer is no. Right? I, I, you don't want me to do that, okay? Because that's not my personality. Now, the, the guy I served under as youth minister, that is his, his style, right? And he's very effective at it. Um, so God uses both, thank goodness. Um, in John 14, 22, there you see Judas. Not Iscariot, right? You can see John. Look, his name's Judas. Just because his name's Judas doesn't mean he's that guy. He's not Iscariot, right? Not, not, not that guy. How about that you're known by who you aren't as opposed to who you are, right? Um, so, so, you know, I've told you my wife and, and sister have for years had the same first and last name. It created all kinds of problems. My sister, after we moved out of Louisville, she went, had the same gynecologist that, that where we had Elijah, you know. And so my sister shows up, appointment, they said, how is your son doing? I ain't got no son. You've got my sister-in-law's uh, um, chart, and you need to get the right one. Because, uh, you know, we're not the same personality, not the same body, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, John 14, 
Um, sake of time, uh, John 14, verse 18, 22, Judas, not Iscariot, shows up. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. It's really about the only reference we, we have of him, um, of any uh, significance. John MacArthur, uh, do I have it up here? Um, yeah, regarding his ministry and death, most of the early traditions regarding uh, Thaddeus, Judas not Iscariot, suggest that a few years after Pentecost, he took the gospel north to Edessa, a royal city in Mesopotamia in the region of Turkey today. Um, there are numerous ancient accounts of how he healed the king of Edessa, a man named Agbar, Abgar, uh, in the 4th century, Eusebius, the historian, uh, next to Josephus, Eusebius is very, very important figure in our early Christianity. The historian said the archives at Edessa, now destroyed, contain full records of Thaddeus's visit and the healing of Abgar. The tradition, uh, traditional apostolic symbol of Judas Labius Thaddeus is a club because tradition says he was clubbed to death for his faith. You may have seen this before, a club. Um, by the way, most people had three names. Uh, particularly Romans, Saul or Paul. Um, it's it's probably inaccurate to say that Saul gave up the name Saul for Paul. It, what he probably did was he was called Saulus Paulus. I think we know what the other name is. I don't know, but he decided to go by his middle name. Um, so do with that whatever you want. Um, so a um, Roman Catholic tradition, which, you know, I believe with with all my heart, suggests that the bones of Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot are buried together. So Matthew, uh, Matthias, uh, Acts chapter 1, if you want to turn there quickly, is the only place he's mentioned in the New Testament. And really kind of a footnote and explainer. Um, now, it is important to note that... Um, Matthias is the only disciple to replace a disciple. Um, remember, the importance of disciples is that there are 12, and, and they understood the, the, the symbolism of this. We've talked about it before. It's clearly connected to the 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus is a new and better Israel. He's a new and better Moses. So he, he, he ushers in with him as a new Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, a new 12. Not 12 ethnic tribes, but 12 followers who will... Um, uh, who will have the blessings of Abraham realized in Christ, who will fill the earth and multiply. They won't fill the earth and multiply through babies, but through souls. They're, they're, it's a new Israel being established. So, you, so that 12 is important leading up to the Pentecost. You don't have Pentecost in Acts 1. So when James dies later in Acts, they don't replace James. That's what the Catholic Church does with the Pope. But that's not what you have in, in the New Testament. So at the Matthias, there's no more replacing. They just die out. Um, so Acts 1... Um, I don't know how much of this I want to read. Uh, verse 12, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which near Jerusalem. You can, you can see, uh, you can still go there today. I think Danny and them went. A Sabbath day journey away. Uh, by the way, Sabbath day journey is you can only walk so far on the Sabbath according to Pharisaic law. And it's not very far. It'd be like me walking home. It's a mile. 2,000 steps. All right. It's a Sabbath day journey. If you walk more than that, then you violated the, the Ten Commandments. Now, where in the Ten Commandments does it say you can only go so, so far? It doesn't. It was made up. Right, this is what government does. It's bored, so it makes things up. Um, hooray libertarianism, right? Um, so what the Pharisees would do, you'll find this fascinating, is they would wear like one shoe, and you can double the distance. Yeah, yeah, uh, they, they're, 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 they're now, um, they're lawyers, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what you do. You know, the whole point of, of, of being a lawyer is to figure out how can I break the law without going to jail? So, 
Be, be careful around the politics jokes. But man, if you can go after the lawyers, man, it's, it's, you, you'll get a standing ovation. Um, so, verse 13, we better move on. And, and they uh, had entered, they went up to the upper room where they, had sta- they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, there it is, Judas, the son of James, all of these with one accord, right, they drove a Honda, um, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. By the way, notice they are not praying to Mary. I just want to throw that out there for reasons I'm sure you can imagine. By the way, notice she considers herself equal in the, in, in, in the idea that she is a disciple, not one of the 12. She considers herself equal as a disciple of Jesus. That is not Catholic theology today. They're praying to Jesus, not to Mary. Um, Verse 15, in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, Brothers, the scripture has had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before him by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered among us, was allotted his share in the ministry. And this man acquired a field with the rewards of his wickedness fallen headlong. He burst open in the field and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language, Akeldama, that is the field of blood. By the way, Judas did hang himself. Some people see this contradiction. What probably happened was the branch broke, he hung himself, and he fell. And so you get the aftermath of that. There's not a contradiction. Um, he probably chose a tree that whose branches are over a cliff and just hung himself. So, um, Verse 20, for it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office. Verse 21, so one of the men who had accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day when he had spoken up, was taken up from us, uh, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. They put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship for which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. They cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias. He was numbered with the eleven apostles. Now, notice here that they didn't just randomly choose someone from among the 120. Uh, it's likely Matthias and Justice here are numbered among the 70. So from the very beginning, ministry of John the Baptist and ministry of Jesus, Matthias is there. So we think of Jesus running around with 12 guys, and he did. But these are the inner circle. And within that inner circle is another inner circle. Remember, the, the evangelistic plan of the master is you start with like three. The three goes to six. The six goes to 12. The 12 goes to 70. The 70 to 120, right? That's the idea. So evangelism is not a mass crusade. It's one-on-one relationship. This, it's evangelism by discipleship. Right? If you want a church to grow, it's going to come from you, not from events. Right? That, that's, that's the model of Jesus. So Matthias and Justice are likely among the 70 who are with Jesus pretty frequently and were sent out by Jesus. You know, He didn't just do it once, so they would have been known by everyone. You have the 12, um, but, but from, there, from, from that group, they, they pulled these two people. Um, and it's interesting. In Revelation chapter 21, there's this verse. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. I never thought of this until I was thinking about Matthias. Um, Matthias, that's him right there in Revelation. Because there's 11 disciples that follow Jesus that are named. That ain't Judas. It's Matthias. Finishes out the 12. 
that imagery of the 12 is very important in, in, in the New Testament. You can't have 11. You have to have 12. Um, so um, now there is some mystery around Matthias. Clement of Alexandria, who's a, a first, second century writer, uh, first Clement, I think that's Clement of Alexandria, maybe Clement of Rome, very influential book. He suggested that Matthias is Zacchaeus, the wee little man. Interesting, isn't it? But that probably isn't accurate because it's described here as someone who's earlier than Zacchaeus's conversion. So it's probably not that. Uh, but it's interesting to think about. Uh, Eusebius says he was among the 70. That, that's probably more accurate. Uh, and there's other people who say he's, he's this, he's that. You know, um, People have, have fun with it. There's just no evidence of it. His ministry and death, well, according to uh, the martyrdom of St. Matthias, right, this, I don't think it's Gnostic, but probably not very reliable. It suggests he died in Judea after being stoned to death. So we don't have a lot of information on him outside of this text. So, so there you go. The man that replaced Judas Iscariot. Uh, so, so that is all 13 of the 12 disciples. I want that. So next week, I think we'll do, we'll look at James and Jude, Judas, the half-brother of Jesus. And then that will open up the door to let us to look a little, uh, we'll spend about a month, uh, maybe more, on the book of Jude. It can be done. I've done it before. Um, and it will open up a big can of worms, no doubt. Um, and maybe we'll chase a few rabbits. So I've been doing a lot of personal study on the issue of angels, demons, sons of God, all that sort of stuff. And my head is just spinning. Ask Annette, poor thing. She gets a seminary lesson every day. <laughs> You know, she has no other choice because I work things through out. And today it had to do with all, all that stuff. So um, we'll see. Anyways, any, any questions we can dodge? Fascinating stuff, I think. Um, so I've been looking forward to Simon the Zealot, if you can't tell. How about, because um, we, we can't touch each other unless someone is going to have to wait till Thursday to get a video game. There, that is an exception, Right. Uh, but other than that, we're not allowed to touch each other. So how about we stand up and, and close out in prayer?